0: Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Brooke, and we're coming to you today from our respective home offices in Portland, Oregon.
1: Today we have Emma and Alexis from Connect7 Group in Canada to talk to us about their involvement with British Columbia's reopening plan in the events industry.
0: That's right. They also come with some valuable insights into what we can do to still be sustainable at events while also being sensitive to COVID-19 requirements.
1: Yeah, so let's see what Emma and Alexis have to say. Okay, Emma and Alexis, thank you again for joining the podcast. But before we get started, can can you just tell us a little bit about how you became co-founders of Connect Seven Group?
2: Yeah, and thank you, just a thank you to you as well for having us on here. Um, we've heard a lot about the podcast, so we're really excited to be a part of it. Yeah, it's it's been kind of a bit of an interesting um, path to get to where we are. I guess you could say Connect Seven's a bit of a unique organization. Um, we kind of have two sides to our company and. Um, One is event management, but it's it's event management only focused on social and sustainable projects or clients, which is um, quite different than how most event management companies work. And aligning with that, the second side of our company is unique projects to, um, to use events and tourism as a catalyst for global change, for positive change. So... Um, very different organization and I just wanted to put that out there so that I can um, kind of tell you how we got there um, so Emma and I both worked for a large event management company um, I guess quite a few years ago six or seven years mm-hmm. ago I was in sales and she was in operations so um, believe it or not we did get along still <laughs> 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 and we um, we actually brought a couple really cool clients to the organization that were focused on sustainable tourism development um, and sustainable projects, like the United Nations, for example. And those were the projects we really wanted to work on. But, you know, when you're in a big organization like that, you can't pick and choose your projects and for obviously good reasons. Um, So eventually, we just kind of went our separate ways. We both left the company, both left to pursue personal interests, but they they kind of aligned with each other and we kept in touch we were bouncing ideas off of each other we actually at at one point found out we were working for the same client with similar goals but different departments Um, so that's kind of when we sat down and said do do we do this do we make a tourism and event organization focused on social and sustainable change and positive growth and It's, you know, very niche move to make. And yeah, here we are five years later, about 11 staff pre-COVID. We were kind of at the peak of our growth.
3: Recently, we had a we had a really big milestone. We just uh, this month won an award for producing the best conference in Canada in 2019, and it was for um, a conference, the International Language, sorry, International Conference on Indigenous Languages. So it was really amazing to be recognized um, for the work that speaks to all of the values that Alexis was uh, just mentioning.
0: Congratulations. That's ah, a really big win. Very cool.
3: It was great to celebrate during, during these tough times, you know,
0: right? a little bit of good news. I think yes. <laughs> we all need that. And you guys have been extra busy too, because as my understanding you've been part of a really important process of actually writing guidelines for the reopening of British Columbia. Tell me about what that experience has been like.
3: Yeah, it's it's been a bit of a journey. And so I think it's important um, just to recognize that I know you guys have listeners from from all over and different countries are doing things in different ways. And within Canada, different provinces are are, are dealing with COVID and reopening in different ways as well. And in BC, what we really recognized was that the industries that were able to reopen quickly and safely were the industries that wrote their own guidelines. So in BC, we had the Golf Association and the Restaurant Association, two examples that had done that. And so um, Alexis and I really recognized that we needed as an industry to to be doing that, to be taking that initiative and writing the guidelines to operate safely within COVID protocols. And so we didn't really know who would be doing that or um, where to turn to. And so we reached out to our tourism associations here in BC and our DMOs who are really the ones advocating for our industry currently. And to make a very long story short, we ended up getting um, connected with this small work group, um, who were also um, trying to take this initiative and put some guidelines in place. And so we now have worked with that group. It's um, a group that's made up of 100% business owners who are obviously passionate about this industry and, and getting it back on track. And I should clarify that these guidelines um, have been written specifically for business meetings and events. So, um, you know, events has such a broad spectrum from weddings to um, public festivals to sporting events. And what we've done is we've focused on um, business meetings and events. Um, So the situation in B.C. currently, for anyone who doesn't know, is that we can host events um, for 50 people um, following COVID protocols. So when we wrote these guidelines, we have written them, and they haven't been released quite yet, but they're just in the final stages. Um, we wrote them with knowing that we had sort of three target audiences, one being um, the government, so that the government knew that we could operate safely within their protocols, um, two being the public and our clients, so that they knew that we could operate events safely and could start to plan again. And then the third um, audience for these guidelines would be the planners themselves so that we could take this document and operate an event safely. And so what we've done is we've created a pretty short to the point document of absolute must do's to operate within um, the provincial restrictions here and operate safely under co- during COVID-19. And they've been written very much in a way of um, language such as use, you know, follow current provincial health protocols. And the reason that we've done that is that A, that's necessary to follow the experts advice, but B, uh, hope is that these protocols and restrictions will loosen as, as we move through um, sort of a phased approach to reopening. Um, so the idea is that companies will take this document, um, the government will see this document first of all, but also the companies will take this document and make it their own and and it will require innovation to sort of put these must do's into play. But that's what we do, we're experts at problem solving. And um, so yeah, and, and the final piece of that is, Unofficially, we have a, um, a larger, more comprehensive document that we're working on that will have some of those innovative ideas included within it and will sort of be the second phase to, to these guidelines.
0: That's really cool. I, I was actually kind of laughing at myself when you said we weren't sure who was going to do it. So we just did it. That's a very <laughs> yeah. like event professional ask, right? Like we we'll just jump in and get it done. And it sounds like you've been working with a lot of organizations, put those together, but tell me a little bit about how you've been interacting with other um, event industry professionals or industry buy-in to build those guidelines.
3: Yeah. So it, that piece has been very important. And, and we recognize that getting buy-in was really important because um what happened here, um, particularly, I can really only speak to, to the BC experience, but I'm pretty sure this is very similar across Canada, is that when all of this happened, none of us really knew where to turn to. I and mean, None of us really knew who was doing what or advocating for our industry. So what happened was, as you say, we are a group of people who just want to get stuff done and problem solve. So a lot of different people did that. And so there was a lot of media stories. There was a lot of letters to government. There was a lot of pop-up PR stunts and what happened was unfortunately we created a lot of white noise to our provincial representatives here and they actually came back and pretty much said go away get your ducks in a row and come back to us with one collective voice and so when this work group um, came to be and it was sort of determined that this was the group that was going to write the guidelines we definitely understood that we needed buy-in and support from um, or everyone throughout the province. And so we did that in a few different ways. Um, We reached out to the event associations within BC, MPI, PCMA. We talked with their presidents. We did webinars with their members. We made sure that the message was out there that this was being worked on, that people could sort of take a step back for a second and know that something was coming. And then we also had an advisory committee made up of people sort of outside of the event industry cities dmos other associations like the hotel association um, so that we could get their input their insight as well as their buy-in and them letting their members know and their people know that these guidelines were coming and the, they would be endorsing them and these would be the ones that um, as a province we should follow um, and then the final thing that we did to really give um, some validity to, to this document is we spend a lot of time reviewing all of the best documents out there from across the country, across different associations within the province, um, internationally, to really pull the best practices and, and the, the key points that are having the most success currently.
1: Wow, I mean, that just sounds like such a huge, like, responsibility. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we also talked about, too, that kind of went hand in hand with that was One of our mutual passions, which is sustainability at events, too, because we can't forget about that during this reopening Mm -hmm. process. You know, when live events resume at full force, this is going to be more important than ever. We've talked about it on other podcasts, but what are you guys noticing right now and what steps can we take to ensure that we're moving in the right direction in regards to sustainability?
2: It's a very good question. It's a very good topic. And I know you guys have had conversations on this before. and you may need to cut me off because I could go for hours on this.
1: Yeah, I hear you.
2: <laughs> I will try not to. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's going to be more important than ever. It's, it's also, at least, you know, there's on the surface right now, it's more challenging than ever. Um, we've, as event planners um, and as, as an industry, we've done so much work on trying to green events and trying to change the perception. Around sustainability in events, um, that it actually can be more po- cost-effective, um, and can provide a lot more benefits than you know just the environment. And I think what we're seeing now is a couple things, and and this is you know probably why you asked the question, but we're definitely seeing a shift, a mind shift, and a shift in resources to, uh, and this isn't everywhere, but you know let's let's put less emphasis on sustainability. And let's just get back to meetings as fast as we can however we can and potentially as cheap as we can Mm -hmm. Um, and that's all a really big threat along that we have we definitely have health and safety protocols that are working backwards for a lot of the sustainability work that we have done Um, let's not use shared water jugs anymore let's not have buffets let's there's a ton of single-use ppe that we're going to have to have in place um So that's all, you know, really important that we need to address and need to start addressing now so that when there are a lot of events, again, there are solutions in place. Um, And and there are ways to counteract that. And so I I didn't mention, um, but we are also the North American providers um, for a group called the Global Destination Sustainability Movement. Um, and it's a company that works to green the event industry or or make, make the event industry more sustainable um, in terms of destinations being more sustainable and cities and really building frameworks from the bottom up. And so it, that's what we're spending a lot of our work on right now with destinations and meetings and events. And I'll, I'll try and stick with meetings and events here. But I think the first thing we need to do is everybody needs to understand the term sustainability it's not just about greeting an event. It's more of, um, it's more of a framework of social environmental and economic impact. And when, you know, that's, that's so important when we consider something like this, because as much as we need to bring more personal, you know, more PPE, single use PPE into events right now, if we're working in the sustainable framework, of um, social impact, for example, maybe we're working with social companies and social enterprises who are making some of that PPE, so making reusable masks, for example. Um, So I just think it's really important to get that definition right, because in in some ways it's a juggling act of um, all three of those pillars to make sure that our events are staying sustainable when we get back at it full speed. Um, Yeah, and so I think I think there's kind of a few things that we could say right off the top that would really help with making sure we're there. Um, The first one I can't stress enough. We need to be as planners and I hope a lot of planners are thinking about this. We need to be working with organizations that have sustainability again in that broad definition as the foundation and the ethos of their organization. And the reason I say that is, even if they find themselves in this place where we have to be using single-use masks or one-time use masks, or we have to um, you know, be using individual wrappings for meals and things like that, those are the organizations that are figu- figuring out how to mitigate that footprint. And it could be having a better supply chain, it could be finding more recycling programs, more donation programs, but those orga- those purpose-driven organizations and suppliers are the ones that are gonna help mitigate impact um, and provide positive impact at the same time. So I can't stress that enough. Um, Along with that, it could be about working with destinations who have those frameworks in place. Again, we work for for the GDS movement. Um, Their goal is to get destinations, like the DMO or the city to be the leader in having sustainable partners, sustainable suppliers, sustainable hoteliers, so again, they're, they're moving the needle for us to give us as planners more opportunity to work with sustainable organizations.
0: I would love to hear more about that, especially with the destinations. Like, what are you seeing out there as far as maybe best practices with some destinations that have their recovery plans, but are also seriously considering sustainability as part of that recovery process? Mm
2: -hmm. And so we work all over the world, um, and it's very different. Europe is in a very different place in terms of recovery and sustainability than Canada, for example. And I hope that Canada um, will start to follow some of what Europe's doing. Um, but I can definitely, I can tell you that every, all the destinations are looking at, they're using the word resiliency. You know, how do they build strategically to be resilient? Um, A, to get out of this crisis, but B, to handle the next crisis. And the, the obvious one of that is local impact. So we're realizing now more than ever that our tourism industries are made of small and medium enterprises. Um, and they're in trouble right now. And we need to support local organizations, we need to support local jobs, and we need to support the local community groups as well. And so we're definitely seeing destinations focus on that, all of them are. Um, How they are is a little bit different, so I I could share a couple examples here. Um, One thing that's really cool, and I think will be good for this audience, is we're seeing some cities starting to invest in event strategies where specifically they want to use events as a catalyst to recovery. So they're saying we cannot recover without events and we need to develop a strategy that helps our local economic pillars, whatever they may be that helps our minority groups get jobs and that helps us reduce our environmental footprint. Um, but essentially we need events to recover, um, which you know, is Emma will touch on that a bit later too, but is so important for our industry. Um, I talked a little bit about Europe. We're seeing tourism recovery funds from the government being, um, being based on sustainable goals, so it being based on having goals and objectives around the SDGs, for example, and you having to show that you have that sustainable plan in place to get recovery funds something we're hoping we'll begin to see in Canada you know Canada has a 2030 agenda which is based on um, social and sustainable development for the country so we're hoping that some recovery funds will also be aligned um, to sustainable goals Um, but uh, yeah I guess we'll just have to see if that happens and we're also seeing city uh, destinations come together with the environmental departments of the city which is fantastic. And if you think about it, it's kind of a no brainer. Some departments within cities haven't lost budget yet. They get to spend their budget till the end of the year and next year is gonna be a lot smaller budget. So environmental departments haven't necessarily lost their budget. And so there's being a relationship built now between the tourism sector who wants to take the time to do this right. Let's rebuild properly, but we need some funding. And you have the environmental departments who are saying, we're worried about tourism just going, let's get as many people as fast as we can and not doing it properly. So the two organizations are coming together to build more sustainable plans, which is in our eyes amazing, is the right direction to go.
1: I'm really glad that you mentioned tourism though, because uh, when we talked earlier, we were talking about how once COVID-19 began to hit, the events industry just didn't have much of a voice and we're often grouped under just tourism. Mm-hmm. What do you think needs to happen to ensure that the power of the events industry is recognized and you know, has a voice of its own?
3: So I can jump back in here yeah. and, and like, <laughs> well, Similar to Alexis, I've been spending a lot of time talking about this recently and so could go on and on. and. Um, so please, please cut me off as appropriate. But, um, yeah, I think it's important to first of all say that you know it's great that the tourism associations and DMOs were advocating for us because somebody needed to during this time. Um, so by no means is that, is that a bad thing, but what has happened is that that then lumps us in with hospitality and restaurants and tour operators and obviously the events industry is separate from from those entities and it's also you know very very powerful on its own Um, and i think it's also important to recognize that we do have some great associations in the event industry you know pcma and mpi to mention just two of the biggest um, and they're fantastic but they focus on education and innovation and networking and and advocate advocacy is not really at their core so especially within canada anyway the events industry has has been lacking um, with, uh, within advocacy, and, and not necessarily to the government, but to the public. Um, so, for them to understand the value of events and the skills that we have as event producers. Um, so, with that little bit of kind of background, I guess, I, I think that we have some long term and some short term advocacy points that we need to focus on as an industry. So, I'm just going to uh, talk about those both uh, quickly here. So, in the short term, you know, we, we want to get back to work safely. Um, so in the short term, we need people to, to feel safe at our events. And I think if they understood that we are already experts at moving people safely through spaces, that's what we do. We create floor plans, we create flow, we make sure our attendees are safe at our events already. So with new COVID protocols and restrictions, it's just another layer to what we already do. And so I think if there was a way to get that message out there, I think people could begin to feel safer within whatever restrictions we have to work to. As I said, in BC, it's 50 currently, um, but they could be feel safer at those events. Um, In the long term, I think we have a bigger job. Um, And I think as an industry, we've done a really bad job at advocating for what our value is and you know I'm sure every single planner listening to this has been called a party planner or something similar in the past and while we may complain about it to each other we just shrug it off and think it doesn't matter um, but it does matter and I think that we need people to understand that we're more than that in order to show that we have value and skill so Um, Just to break that down a little bit further, I think the two key messages that we need to get through to the public is A, how skilled our job is and B, and potentially more importantly is how important business events are to them. So people need to understand what we do and the importance of what we do in order for there to be validity to our industry. Um, So in terms of people understanding the skill behind our job, what, when people minimize our job it takes away the skill and the value of what it is that we do and part I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot recently and you know i think part of the issue is a big part of the issue is that our job is very much behind the scenes you know when we've done a good job people turn up at an event and they don't even feel as though anything is planned anything anyone is moving them around it's just a seamless flawless experience and And just to uh, tell a little bit of a personal antidote here, my husband is also a project manager and he builds high-rise construction. And so we often say we do the same job, but he builds buildings and I build events. But so often people think that he has a real job in quotation marks and that I'm like this party planner. And I've been trying to figure out why that is. And I think it's because from the second a building gets built, there are excavators on the on the ground, uh, the dirt's being dug. The walls are going up. You can watch the building build, and there's a visual representation of the work that's being done. And even though when I'm planning an event, I'm doing a lot of the similar things. I'm finding venues. I'm negotiating RFPs. I'm building budgets. But no one sees that work, and so don't, people don't appreciate it in the same way. And so I think that. That's one piece. And then the final piece, and sorry, I I know I'm going on and on here, but I think that, and this is the piece that hopefully people will feel more, is the value that events bring to their lives. And this isn't just economic, you know, people roll out numbers all of the time and and events do have a huge economic impact. When an event comes to town, restaurants are busier, taxi cab drivers are busier, Um, you know, one third of Tourism dollars to Canada are because of events. And so we have a huge economic impact. But there's also the social and cultural um, impacts and the legacy that events leave behind. You know, when, a, when the infrastructure that can, that's built, the speakers that come to town, the conversations, the diverse groups of people that, that come and the ideas that they bring, and the impact that that has on the communities around them not to mention what actually happens at events you know at business events learning research and information sharing create advancements in medicine in technologies in products and all of that happens at these business events so i think we need to figure out how to make people understand that what happens at events and around events affects their everyday lives
0: yeah and i have to imagine during this time that it is people are starting to notice this. I mean, not only are people sick of being on Zoom and craving mm-hmm. that face-to-face, you know, live event, you know, we, Steve, that used to say the power of live because it really is, it's like so much happens, not only at the event, but around it. I mean, it mm-hmm. really like creates this kind of movement and it has been really interesting to see how, people are are really seeing the value of that. And I love how you guys are highlighting it. And you mentioned that, you know, there are some, you know, metrics and data that we can look at to help make sure that we're like tracking progress and how it's impacting our communities and things like that. So what are you guys looking at as far as metrics or even just kind of signs that we're moving in the right direction?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, we've alluded a lot to different things are happening all over the world and North America. I think the obvious one for us in BC is that we finally get to see a slow increase um, in the number of events and the number of people at events um, without any outbreaks. <laughs> um, unfortunately, we're not there yet, just because we don't have the go ahead on that. But in terms of you know metrics of the impact of events, this has been, as Emma said, it's 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 been an ongoing thing for many years but we need to stop recording tourism and events being a part of that as heads in beds um, and we need to be looking more at metrics that are again going back to that sustainable um, ecosystem like we need to be looking at metrics such as legacy and local impact um, in terms, you know anywhere from helping local communities Helping people to barriers with employment, like what are events doing for for the community in that sense? Having goals that are related to sustainability and the SDGs or other environmental metrics. Um, Having inclusive action plans. And, um, you know, so making how, how do we use events to make everything more fair and just with what's happening in the world today? And I think all of that comes to the point of we don't tend to have proper meeting and event strategies with a destination that focus on goals like that. It focuses more on how many international events are coming into the city and how many people are staying in hotels from those events. So we need to start seeing, A, strategies that help build events for impact for the local destination, and B, we need to be more present in tourism strategies. There's tourism strategies and tourism recovery plans being done all the time now, Um, And they have a little paragraph about meetings and events, and that either needs to be its own strategy or a substantial part of the tourism strategy of what meetings, what purpose driven meetings and events should look like for that region.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you kind of goes back to what you said earlier that, you know, we really can't recover without events. So it needs to be taken a little bit more seriously and like highlighted, I think, but um, you guys, yeah. it's been so great to have you both on the podcast. So much great information. If you had to leave just one takeaway, or maybe even a piece of advice for our listeners, what would that be?
2: Just one, hey? Just one. <laughs> okay. Maybe
1: we'll give you two. Yeah, I don't we have know. One
2: each. Yeah, one, one <laughs> gonna each. Say, I'm going to talk before Emma so that I get <laughs> Um We really do have an opportunity here, and I don't want to sugarcoat the dire situation that we're in. It's not good for events right now. It's not good for tourism right now. But I think the silver lining is a lot of places and communities and destinations have wanted to do better and be more impactful, but didn't know how to get out of the situation that we were in and how to stop and take a moment to rebuild. And that is what we have now. We have to rebuild. Everybody has to rebuild. So I think instead of taking the easy way out, we need to plan for a long-term and sustainable future Um, we need to provide value to our our communities and our economies and our environment Um, and we need to take responsibility as planners for that and for our events so it's not oh well we have to we have to use all this PPE we have to have all this garbage we can't use reusable materials it's about um, innovation and strategically thinking about how do we leverage this opportunity to minimize environmental impacts but really to maximize community and local. Benefits. That's my one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: I would say that, you know, we're one of the, I mean, it's a a tough time, but maybe something that we can all take from this is that we have a bit of time to step back and breathe and and look at what needs to be done. And I think um, an important takeaway for your listeners would be to spread the message um, to the people outside of our industry that what happens at business events does shape our world um, and that business events and meetings create innovations and solutions. And I think that we need to figure out how to make people who are are outside of our industry care about our industry so that next time, because unfortunately (laughs) there's likely to be some sort of next time hiccup, um, we're not fighting just to be acknowledged, that, we, that people understand the value of, of what we create.
2: That's a good takeaway. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I think that's a great takeaway. Yeah. Um, well, I asked my last question for you guys. Is there anything you want to promote or maybe share with our listeners while we have you in the podcast?
2: Yeah, definitely. I would say, you know, we've talked about working with um, organ- purpose-driven organizations. Have a look at gds.earth um that is the global destination sustainability movement that we're a part of um and it just you know it it can give you some idea of how to work with your destination or how to work with your events um, to really help make a regenerative recovery um the one other thing i just got sent this right before the podcast i got sent a really awesome document it was called the bulb and it was about how to integrate health safety protocols protocols with sustainability It was really cool. I have no idea who I'm promoting when I promote this, but if meeting planners need a resource, you could probably Google it. It's called The Bulb and it's a really awesome document.
1: We will do you one better. If you want to send that over, we will make sure to include it with the podcast as well as that link. So all of our listeners can get to it very easily. That sounds awesome and exactly what a lot of people are thinking about right now.
2: Yeah. fantastic.
1: Perfect. Well, Emma, Alexis, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on today. Um, love talking about all this. So thank you so much. It's so interesting to hear the part that Emma and Alexis are playing with Canada's reopening strategy. I just love having guests like this in the podcast. It's just such a relevant and well-needed kind of conversation to have, especially in today's world.
0: Oh my gosh. I agree. It's just really great advice and a super interesting perspective, especially with their views on sustainability. And for our listeners to get more episodes and exclusive content, you can head on over to cvent.com slash podcast. And if anyone out there would like to be on the show, you can reach out to us at podcast at cvent.com.
1: And before you know it, we're going to have another great episode. So we'll talk to you then.
2: Bye, Bye.